And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. Welcome to Social Media White Noise. Yeah, I'm really sorry about that, Ted, but we've had complaints that the intro's too long. Bugger. <laughs> In the box. <laughs> Well, the way we're rolling. Oh no, I've switched it off. <laughs> Are we actually recording? Yeah. Okay, good well, stuff. Well, the social media white noise. I have no idea what the episode number is, but it doesn't matter. It's number 87. There you go. I'm Andy White, Aka Doctor Pod, spelled how it sounds. Doctor, not DR, Doctor Pod. I'm going to do the stupid voice. And I'm sitting opposite. Are you done Brigadier. Now? There we are. Brigadier General Loudmouth Man Butler, aka Loudmouth Man on Twitter. Okay, we're all still waiting to get on the internet at Bill's Produce in Brighton. Oh yes, we are at Bill's Produce. We're at Bill's Produce. Why are we at Bill's Produce, Mr. Butler? Well, Bill's Produce is a... Uh, it's okay. It's a franchise, and, and we're like, ooh, ooh yeah. franchises. Are. Why have we but broken our golden rule? Well, this is this is an in, this is a particularly interesting franchise in that it was started in West Sussex, East Sussex, in a town called Lewis. Uh, a town by, called Lewis. Uh, by by a chap called Bill. Who just had a, a sort of small sort of produce shop selling local produce and so forth. Then he had the cafe, and then he opened, a, you know, he opened another one. He opened this one in Brighton in two thousand and five, apparently. Yeah, and, he did. Um, you know, so it's, Andy, it's a cafe, it restaurant, stroke, uh, local produce, and green grocers. Uh, green grocers come um, sort of Epicurean shop. It's really? a very Epicurean place. Are we allowed to say how good I think it is? You okay? We're not, we're not about to slate them, are we? I wouldn't say. I'm not. No, no this is not about. Really cool. This is not the podcast where we go. Oh, it's like. But Bill's produce have been absolutely controversial as a selection in Horsham, and I mean, they've been. Um, and it's unfortunate that they get Sorry to be that. the controversial selection. But we have a we have an air, we have property in Horsham called the Old Sound Hall, which has previously been made available for the community and the public to hire and make use of. And, and for a long time has been a an asset on the council books, which has been there's been a cost for the council to maintain it. And um, the council have been looking at a way in which they can either lease or sell the property and recoup the cost back mm. um, and pass it on to somebody else to take care of. And the controversy here has been that uh, a few local members of Horsham have felt that it, it should remain a public asset managed by the council and available to the public. Um, and they weren't really happy with the idea of it simply being sold off or leased out to private individuals. Bill's Produce is one group who have been able to, there, was, there were a number of different sort of applications to say we'll take it on, and Bill's Produce was the successful applicant in this instance. Um, we don't really know who Bill's Produce are in Horsham, other than just the conversations and discussions that are going on. So I thought, when I walked past Bill's Produce in Brighton, we would stop here and stop in and have a coffee and have a look at what it is that's about to come to, to the town hall and, 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 and to get us a feel for it. So hopefully when they open in Horsham, we'll, we'll break our routine of visiting places twice uh, and we'll visit Bill's Produce in the Horsham at the Old Town Hall and we'll be able to have a good review on it at that point. So that's why we're here. Okay, that'll be interesting. That'll be why we're here. It's a fairly hyper-local issue. And, it is a local um, issue. I am... I'm blethering away because I'm waiting for Bill's guest's Wi-Fi to return so I can try logging in and see if we can get internet access. Okay, yes. Otherwise, I shall have to switch to our old faithful three mobile Wi-Fi device. Yes. Which we has, salute you. Which has been constantly, constantly in the powerhouse of Under his our pillow, internet. in his pyjamas. We'll stop there. Oh, I get nervous if I don't have internet access. Mm. I, I get worried. Yeah, I, I, it's, Nick. it's a bit of a concern. Nick, Nick, Nick. Yes. What are you talking about today? 
Well, I'd love to know, but at the moment, Google, Google uh, Glass would be one of them. You, have you got the links? I've got cash pages in You've front got of me. Cash pages. See, I, I, Google. So you can't Google get the staff. IO conference. Yeah, I get. You know, I, I just can't get the staff. I always make sure I've got cash pages in front of me, or cached pages in front of me, as Nick would say. It could be this embarrassing moment. Right? Oh, I've got, to, I've got to be careful because Nick's in a bad mood today. Right? Okay. Put the microphone down and walk off. Face punching guard up. <laughs> head padding on. That's what your Mac's for, isn't it? <laughs> you got one of those unibody mats. I'm still not getting any internet access. Google Glass. Google we're going to talk about, let's Glass, just list what we're going to talk about. tablet. Let's just list what we're going to be talking about. I, f- I felt like, um, anyway, Google Glass. Um, some article about nothing to hide, nothing to fear. Sleepers charger and black boxes. This is really scary stuff. And uh, keeping up pressure on actor. Which I think, you, I think you selected that one. And so I've, I've, I've linked off to that one. Yeah. So but first, uh, Google Glass project. Well, the Google I/O conference, which was last week. Yeah. So we've had we've had Microsoft launching their product, which has been the um, Microsoft Surface, their their tablet and mobile device, and now Google have uh, sort of come out with their attempt at not attempt, but they've taken the Asus ultralight tablet, seven inch tablet, and implemented Jelly Bean Android on that and focused on their on, Android and experience. This is Microsoft. So Microsoft have released a tablet the week before. Yeah. A couple of weeks before. Right. Called Surface. And then Google yeah. I.O. comes along. Oh, sorry, yeah. Okay. For a minute I thought Microsoft was using Android. I thought, what? No, no, Microsoft is, is using Windows RT or Windows I was going to say. <laughs> it seemed like a slight... Anyway, yes, carry on. I'm still getting absolutely no internet access here, so I'm going to, You're gonna have to go to, to Loudmouth Mouth. Loudmouth. Wow. So um, okay. tell me a bit about your experience. Because it, it was... Um, oh, actually, I'll tell you what might be causing the problem. Well, one more thing. There we go. That, that smart bit where you realise that your network configuration actually has a static IP address in it. Ah, Nicholas. And as a result, you're not and getting And you told that guy, and he's gone and switched his thing on and off. Yes. He did the... I've turned it on and it off again. Well, yes. Affecting all these people. Now yes. he comes to toast and the porridge. Ah, the porridge has arrived for me. Oh, look at that. Fantastic. And the toast for me. Thank you very much. Thank you. There we go. Thank you. Thank you. Excellent I service. Now go into our advanced you won't mention that the Wi-Fi was actually fine. It was all Nick's fault. And I'll just renew the DHCP <laughs> list. Has <laughs> it come back up again? So, uh, we take, um, we're spending far too long talking about Bill's guest at Wi-Fi. There is. Okay. The porridge has arrived and it's bloody marvellous. Looks really good, actually. Mm. And it's all about wearable computing at the end of the day. The, this Google Glass thing is like a pair of glasses with a sort of... On the right, in the top right-hand corner of the right lens of the glasses, is like a little glass blob, which somehow projects or puts in your visual field the uh, the I/O of a computer or the GUI of I don't know what computer it is. Presumably, it's built into the glasses, and you can do things like is this whole thing where you're sort of walking along and you could be like answering emails and surfing the internet and stuff like that, where you can I don't know if we've quite got to the stage where you can look at something I know this device has a built-in camera where you can look at something and Google will try and match it and tell you what it is which was that Google Goggles which was like a prototype app that they had uh, about a year or two ago ever heard of that one Google Goggles I think it was only available in the US I have, um, I have a feature in my Google Mail called Goggles which at certain times if I'm sending an email yeah. we'll just check that I'm not drunkenly sending an email uh, okay which sounds like it's completely different Okay, but basically, it's, just, it's wearable computing. Well, <coughs> we have to ask ourselves, just, that is this isn't the future? it just a camera attached to your glasses? Yes. That's broadcasting live stream. How is this any different from strapping a small Hero HD to your side of your head and doing the same thing? <laughs> With a sweatband. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is basically upskirt for everyone. 
upskirt. We'll come on to that in a minute. I missed that one, didn't I? Have you taken it out of the... Um... No. I oh, know, that's the title of the episode. Right, what I need is the code for that. I can't read it. The code for this is yeah. 243... 243... 123... 123... 4488... 4488. We just broadcast that to the entire world. Yeah, well, you know, because there's a worry about it. So, <coughs> the thing is, this wasn't the only thing they demoed. And, and they demoed it with this big sort of... People... People jumping out of a um, an airship, jumping out of a zeppelin, yeah, and then landing on a roof, handing off the package to some bikers who hand off some packers, who hand off the package to people rappelling down the side of a building, who then completely miss the third floor and go in at the end. This is a video I've just failed to watch. This is the video. This is what was going on. <laughs> oh, right. oh yes, I did my research very thoroughly. Oh wow, isn't it wonderful? They're broadcasting live, and this is Google Glasses. I'm still confused. It's like, this is just a camera and a pair of glasses. Well, it's a wearable camera as well. It's a wearable camera. It's a wearable camera. What I mean, else is, is it? Is it anything okay, else? This is... Lemon a lot curd. of what we can talk about is going to be talked about on This Week in Tech. And you can tune in to listen to This Week in Tech. With Brigadier Leo Laporte. Two things that come out of the conversation in This Week in Tech that they, they brushed over in one sentence, and I want to come back to it. This is Google very cleverly realising that the next market is mobile that Google wants to be able to know an awful lot about you to help you with the searches that it's giving you. And at the same time, be able to use those searches to talk about how it can interact with you. Mm. If Google remains in the browser and on the desktop, it becomes a product that goes out of fashion. But if Google becomes a mobile product with its, with its tablet device and Google Glasses, well, now Google's doing something where they can become interactive with your environment by way of providing, as I, and I, I talked about this in a few, two couple of years ago, I said the next generation of search will be search that uses location-based awareness mm-hmm. and it will use adverts that are focused on, these are the offers that we can provide to a group of people who are in the area making a similar search and we can tell them, if you all come along now at this time, so it's location and time sense search, which is only useful to you if you are in that spot and at that location, it's something that Foursquare are already locked into. So Opportunistic in, marketing, as he sprays his screen. Exactly. exactly. Mm. So, this is Google making the jump away from being in the desktop in the browser. And somebody made the comment, it was Prager made the comment, he would trust Google more than he would trust Facebook. Now, if Facebook did this, would you trust their products? Why do people trust Facebook less than Google? Is that, is that a bit of a sweeping generalisation? No, I'm asking the other way around. Why right. do people trust Google? Why do people feel safer with Google than they do with Facebook? Mm. Dude, if Facebook had produced Facebook glasses, would you trust them? Andrew's back on Twitter. Would you... Would Hash you... SMWN. Social media white noise. Mm. So I think it's... Um, mm, it's an awesome porridge, he says. Awesome toast. And... I'm, I'm left with the question of what does this mean for third party because as I say the thing that breaks your privacy is not your actions it's your friends mm. and Facebook have long been able to say oh you can check your friends in here you can check your friends it's like no you don't want to do I don't want my friends tagging me and checking me in that's breaking my privacy <coughs> you know, we, we need a social we need a social charter in, in our in our modern life to say that it's just as much as it may be rude to interrupt somebody or it might be rude um, to close the door on somebody when they're going through 
it's rude to tag or check somebody into a social network without their permission. Mm. You know, it might be considered that, that in terms of rules that we have for how we get on in society, we have to work, but because this will now bring a lot of what you can do with social networks and the internet straight out to where people are in cafes. Mm. I mean, if I'm sitting in a cafe at the moment, there are people wearing, you know, us glass wearers have always been in the minority. You know, I, I wear spectacles to, to you know, ensure I can see, as, like yourself. Mm. So what happens when people start wearing glasses in order that they can ensure what they've seen? There's, there's a side to this where you see cyclists making use of cameras to track what's going on so that when they get into litigation or they get into a problem, they can go back to the video and say, no, this is where you cut me up. This is where you knock me off the road. Mm. This is the video proof. So what happens when that video proof becomes something that's ubiquitous to life and is available to some but not all? What happens when that video proof becomes potentially altered by... Um, high-speed rendering and, and CGI work. What happens when you can start changing the, the reality of what people are have seen? Okay, signed it through. Back, but there we go. One day, camera manufacturers will do my suggestion. They will have use uh, public-private key encryption to prove that photo from the device has not been tampered with. Fingerprinting. Yeah. Okay, that's that one sorted. Going back to the um, tagging thing. Is there an open standard that, that describes your preferences on privacy, such as no tag? There's, perhaps there should be. Uh, if there isn't, then you know there will be. And if there is, if there is already one, then there'll be two. And if there's two, there'll be three. I'm sure. Mm. You know, there'll always be space for another standard. You might have to move on, Mick, to the next topic, which is... Um, what's this nothing to hide? Have you got your well, internet now? Is, Can you this, see? I've got my internet now. I'm just going to okay. bring this up. This is a life hacker article. Um, and this is, this is really timely because, as, as you say, the Google Glasses thing would be, well, if you've got nothing to hide, you've got nothing to fear from being online. Mm. And you should have no reason. Um, I, I see this come up quite a lot when we're, when we're tackling the conversation of privacy yeah. um, and, and people's rights online. You'll occasionally get people say, well, it's OK to be monitored because if you're not being, doing anything illegal, you really shouldn't have anything to worry about. Um, <coughs> but it's this, it's this creeping of scope that you've talked about before. Tell us about it again. It's creeping of scope. Well, you've, you've privacy is breached incrementally. Well, what happens when your friends breach your privacy and they breach it in such a way that you now appear to... And you, they've breached it in such a way that they may have actually broken... Uh, have, have flagged that you are now breaking a law. Or what happens when a change of law occurs mm. and they use it to act retroactively? Yeah. Oh, it, it's not possible that won't happen. Well, you know, you, you really shouldn't ever, in law, take the view that it's not possible that something might happen. Uh, because there is always an opportunity and scope for somebody to find a way to ensure they've described how that might happen. And then may say, oh, that and therefore has happened. Um, so this article on, on Lifehacker is a great read for the basics of... You know, some people do have something to hide, but something the government ought to gain power to reveal. You may not have anything to hide, but the government may think you do. Um, and are you sure you've got nothing to hide? You know, everybody hides many things that they're not, and they're not wrong. Mm. It's, it's, this comes down to, why do we assume that you should actually live in a society where you have to say you have nothing to fear? That's my concern. It's not about 
It's about if you've got nothing to hide, you've got nothing to fear. Why are you living in a society where you think having nothing to fear is actually what you should be encouraged? Yes, it normally comes after <laughs> we're going to monitor you by this means hyphen, but you have nothing to fear. Yeah. And, and it's, an, it's an invaluable read. It's six key points that need to go over and over and over again until people understand this and do get to grips with what that means. Um, but what about the old argument, Nick, that you know anything you put on the internet you should assume could go anywhere? Well, that's, that's not an argument. That's, that's a reality. It's like, okay. you, you know, this is, this is how it can work. But what we're back to is, and again, anything you've put on the internet, you have chosen to do, yeah. and you're choosing your privacy levels. And you're choosing your awareness of how they can be screwed over. Yeah. Such as when Facebook decide to allow your friends to tag you, and all of a sudden everybody's tagging you in things. Or, or what if they tag you, but it isn't actually you, it's just somebody who looks a bit like you, who they've then tagged. We're going back to, to um, authentication by public-private key encryption again, aren't we? If you're your Not really, because how, how, how are you going to suggest that you can add encryption and public key encryption to where I physically am, except I have to then broadcast and sign and approve where I am and then provide a certificate to say where I was? And that's not adding to your privacy, that's removing it. Isn't that authenticating that the data that you just produced, whether it be a blog post, and a location, And now you're expected to validate who you are and prove you are. Which it, then makes it hard. What, what if you can't well, no, validate Then no one are? can prove. You can prove that, that someone has tampered with it. Because if not it doesn't actually think of it. Because if I, can't prove, if I can't prove I wasn't somewhere, and somebody chooses to tag me and say that I was there... What signature mechanism do you imagine? Okay, there isn't one. There isn't one. Right, exactly. Yeah, there isn't one. So that's the that's the issue you now have. If you now have a situation that says, well, we have all this thing here that's all that's all approved to say you were here, and people say they saw you there, and yeah. you can't disprove it unless you have proof that you were somewhere else, which is signed. At which point you then need something that can prove you in. At which point you might need to be required to break your own privacy. And and so in doing so, you might. It, it's there are so life is incredibly sort of complex. It's not us. No, there we go. But hello, anyway. That was fantastic. I will generally eat everything at the moment. Yeah. Um, life is this amazingly complex series of choices of of exposure and privacy and trust and discussion and and to sort of be able to wrap it up in simple terms like you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to fear, is is ludicrous in an understanding of what makes a community, and it's ridiculous. I, I appreciate that what they're trying to tackle here is is that. There's a general concern that if we don't do this, then the terrorists and paedophiles win. Yeah. But we don't actually live in a society that is 90% terrorists and paedophiles. You know, we just, we just don't. Why are we building society that's based on fear? That's, that's the thing that this is all about. It all comes down to, we need to do this because you need to fear about these things. These things need to be things you need to fear about. If we're sat here with Wi-Fi, one of the Wi-Fi station points is, hide your kids. I saw that. Hide your Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah. And I saw this that. Is, again, we're, we're back to every... I have this situation in my council that we're, we're trying to address, which is, which is there is a perceived view from the media that Roffey and North Horsham is a crime-ridden area where the youths are out of control. Meanwhile, there are eight known youths who are known to the police, mm. who they are aware are actually the problems, creating the most problems in, in North Horsham area. That's eight out of thousands of teenagers. Mm. So it's not all teenagers are wrong. It's just a tiny few. 
why do we keep reacting to the smallest amount and treating that as the major thing we have to change? Okay, we don't want, we do not want governments based on fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And it, and it comes on to Theresa May's Snoopers <laughs> Charter and black boxes, which we'll come on to after we've after talked we've about thanked, our king of shows. So that was the sound of me shaving my yeah, face. Yeah, he actually did a shaving face motion. Shaving as well. face it motion. Was, it was just, you know. People are now watching him and wondering Lit- what's that, up. That's literally how long it takes with the amazing menthol gel from King of Shaves. King of Shaves, who very kindly sponsored this podcast, yeah. um, have a fantastic range of uh, men's, men's and women's cosmetics. We're talking about razor blades, and we're talking about blades that are, frankly, cheaper than the conventional expected purchase that you might have as a man today and we're talking about a shaving experience with the king of shaves gel and king of shaves oils which i challenge people to go and try and come back to me and say it was not as satisfactory as squirting airy foam into my hand and lathering it with my fingers onto my cheek or using your wife's conditioner yeah this is this is the king of shaves product um, <laughs> i i made a joke actually because it's you know keeping with the current trend at the moment uh, Will King, uh, the founder of King of Shaves, uh, has, a, has a, a new novel coming out about dominating in the bathroom called Fifty Shades of Great. Hang on, is that a joke or is that real? That was, that was a joke. Oh, okay. Sorry. That was a joke. But can can you wear a special hat when you, put a, when you do a joke so yeah, I understand? Because the, the special hat on the podcast works so well. Yeah, but for me, then I can react accordingly. But thank you, King of Shaves, for uh, purchasing us the uh, coffee and porridge in Bill's Bridges. I thank you, King of Shades, for my lovely toast. for uh, allowing us to sit here and, and record a show. I'm looking forward to you guys coming to Horsham. Hey, that'll be good. That will be good. Right then, um, Theresa May. What's Theresa May been up to? Uh, Let's have a look. Uh, um, uh, uh, good old Theresa. Uh, 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 Not there Parliament, for the nasty things in life. Member of Parliament like a block drain or a... has been proposing that the communications data bill should... Um, CDB. The general concern is that is that there might be terrorists and there might be criminals who are maybe doing criminal and terrorism things, uh, and we need to know about that. So, uh, to make it easier for um, the police to do that, we need to track every website that somebody visits through a browser, and we need to track every email address that somebody has sent an email to. But Nick, you've got nothing to fear if you're doing everything so right. So, I address you to the previous comment. Now. Some people say that it's not possible to do this, and I draw their attention to the fact that if an ISP is, le- is told they legally have to install a box that will act as a man-in-the-middle network proxy to hand off secure certificates to you that pretend to come from the site you're visiting, your security's blown away. Mm. And there are some great demonstrations from Hack5, networked man-in-the-middle attacks that demonstrate this. So don't watch them, and then stop saying this is conspiracy. Now, the communications data bill is not an act. It is not yet passed. I kind of suspect this is the most ridiculous suggestion that's been put out there because it's hiding some other less egregious suggestion, which if it was put out originally, everybody would say, no, that's daft as well. Okay. However, I've seen the Digital Economy Act get passed, and I've realised the naivete of many of our members of Parliament in terms of technology and how quickly they will hand off permission for the constraints of our internet and the internet that our children need to corporations and security with the view that they're providing control and regulation over a frontier environment that is a damaging risk to children. And they're, you know, they're saying, well, you have to understand, this is just, you know, if, we, if we don't do this, it makes it easier for terrorists. Now, I just want to stop right here and say, when this sort of thing gets implemented, 
if this bill gets passed, I will be setting up and, and training as many people as I can to circumvent it. Will that make me an uh, 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 accessory to the fact? Will I be causing and aiding and abetting criminals at that point? Because encouraging people to maintain their privacy when the government wants to snoop in is an important thing. However, the encryption that you might plan to put and the privacy you might plan to put on your emails has the problem that even if you encrypt all of the content of your email, mm-hmm. You still need to leave who it's sent to unencrypted. Sure. You can't not encrypt that part. Mm. With the exception that if you were to run a virtual private network mm-hmm. going past your internet service provider, issued with your own certificates, thank you, with your own keys that you can check, that you then check on your own machine to make sure that you've not received the man in the middle certificate. Mm-hmm. At that point, you are then back to having your security and moving away from the problems of the government listening in. Now, the Snoopers Charter, we've, we've linked to it here, is being recommended by Theresa May. Um, it is heavily criticised, though. Uh, the ISPs are saying, we understand the government wants to move in the Times and we want to work with them on that, but it's a massive project and they told us they want to achieve it and then they need to sit down and work out how. No, ISPs just need to turn around and say... No, we, we don't actually want to hand off permission for you to be able to look inside everything that people are doing on their computers. Mm. If they're going to do that, why are they not opening everybody's postal service? Why are they not stopping everybody at every junction on the motorway and asking them the reason for their journey? Mm. Why are they not stopping everybody on the streets? Oh, wait, hang on. See, this is it. <laughs> this is encroachment. This is feature scope. This is something that we should be up in arms about. Because as, as she plans to unveil her Snoopers Charter, despite all this opposition, um, you know, this is, this is something that they were trying to deal with when the Labour were in power, and it was ridiculous then. Um, they're trying to build up this trail with the view that, that when crime occurs, they can go to the trail and convict on the basis of the information they found. Mm-hmm. So now we're back to, so now we're utilising mechanisms by which we can decide what was illegal and then go back through the trail. What if, now we've got this government trail put together, they then decide something is illegal and then decide to go back and find it. Well, it's like a tachometer in a lorry. Yes. Same idea. Well, yes. The tachometer's there in order to monitor and track what they're doing and mm. they can go back and do it. But what happens if the driver is following the rules of the tachometer? Halfway through his journey, the rules change. And he carries on following the rules that he believes in. And then they go back and say, actually, all the other technologies you previously submitted to us, we actually are going to include those in the fact that you were then breaking the law or doing something illegal that we've now decided is illegal. There's precedence for this in history of human society. We need to understand the precedence for this. I'm not going to go to, to Godwin's here. I'm just not going to go to Godwin's law on this. But we have enough precedent to say we should be damn careful about this. And we should be. What's with the black box? Well, the black box is the, the tool that they want to plug into, into the... Where's it going to be? The homes or the, so the ISPs? Well, OK, so they're going to bring that into the internet service providers. So the, the ISPs, OK. Now, um, there is a thing called the Freedom Box that uh, a few people from the open source community are looking at. And they're suggesting that what you do is you plug in this box at your house and you use this box as your VPN, your relay, your yeah. SMTP relay and so forth. And you use this box in order to... Uh, encrypt all your emails and everything else. I think it's a really bad idea. 
because you're putting a box right into your house that the police haven't turned up at your house. Yeah. You're then giving them a target to say, we need you to decrypt this box. Hmm. So they've got something they immediately have a warrant to go and search because it's clearly able to search that. If you're going to have the Freedom Box, you shouldn't run the Freedom Box in your house. It should be the other side of the internet connection that you're using. Mm. It should be in a location that's private so that the police turn up, it's still not disclosed. Mm. You know, it belongs to another company in another country uh, that you access remotely, that you check your certificates with, and that you check that the ISP are never interfering with. That's what it should be. Your internet service provider is your route out onto the internet, and after that should be how you connect to the net. <sighs> so there we go. Okay. Drink the coffee that is. And at the moment, it's a bill. It's not an act. It's a bill. It's not an act. Okay. Um, another bill, not an act, is actor. Is it some um, actor kind of? Where are we with actor? I've forgotten where we are now. It was. Like, well, has it been passed yet, or has it? Um, I've lost it's, the, I've it's, lost the it's mostly actor. it's mostly trying to get ratified and approved and discussed and, and approved by European Parliament. The final push for it will be European Parliament on Wednesday, with a session between twelve noon and two o'clock, where the European Parliament votes on ACTA, and if the European Parliament kills it, it dies globally. Okay. This is a story that's actually up on Torrent Freak, and um, we've seen similar bills like this in Soper and Peeper, who've thankfully have been deflected in America. We see the bills like ACTA where there is an attempt to, again, it's an attempt by corporations to push regulation onto the internet. So, yeah. We, you know, when you look at the internet as a, as a communications tool, and you look at the history of communications tool in the last hundred years, we have seen radio waves go from being free to everybody to gain access to, to heavily regulated and licensed and monitored. The same group that went ahead and licensed and monitored that subsequently licensed and monitored telephone systems and telephone exchanges mm-hmm. and telephone networks. That then meant that television broadcasts, telephone broadcasts and radio broadcasts were all heavily moderated and the only way you could take part in them as an independent was by buying a license or being part of a large corporation and paying to that corporation to gain access to it. Now you have something like the internet which is a low barrier to entry for any individual to broadcast to thousands of people so it's like putting television, radio, and telephones in a completely unregulated spectrum and giving it back to every individual and letting them build up a business with it. And I'm nodding. That's really scary for a big corporation because they don't have the rights to license over that. But if they can encourage government to regulate and license that and to, to control... Who is allowed to say what, do what, and broadcast what, and from where? To implement some level of control over what people can see, and to insist that maybe you can pay different levels to access different services. They can push people into believing that the internet is no different than, say, uh, satellite television or cable television. That it's a service that you pay to access channels on. And if they can go back to that route, you know, they can win over the internet again at IPv4, and we lose that for those freedoms. So this whole... 30-minute podcast of ours has been about the concept of trying to get people to listen to the problem that the ever-encroaching regulation by corporations and government is actually screwing with uh, the last 20 years of how the internet has worked, and that last 20 years has led to some significant innovation, uh, job creation, uh, wealth creation, and, and artistic innovation. 
and and if we don't protect our internet for our children for the next 30 years then we are going to be left with an entertainment that'll be monitored and managed by a few corporations who will then decide when you get to see the latest TV shows and will probably charge you for high definition YouTube versus low definition YouTube and God forbid you'd want to use mobile and that's, that's, that's the future of the internet unless we fight to insist that we maintain it in uh, as much as possible a heavily unregulated sense and it's hard for countries because they're used to managing their borders yeah. and the internet breaks away the borders it's hard for corporations because they're used to operating within uh, geopolitical rules for which the internet circumvents so they're all forced to sort of sit back with every single one of us gets an opt into this and it doesn't really help for control. This, I, I watched a fantastic uh, TED video yesterday from a guy called uh, Don Tapscott. You might want to look him up, dontapscott.com. Well, you can link to it in the show notes. You can link to it in the show notes. Who was talking about uh, his website is called A Conversation About How the Web is Changing Our World. It was a fascinating TED talk. He started talking about openness and sort of collaboration, transparency, all that sort of stuff, how the internet, the interwebs, is completely changing all that. We get these big corporations that come along and are trying to regulate it. They're trying to uh, make it so that they can control what is on the internet. You can publish. They're trying to remove these low barriers, or they're trying to put barriers up. They are complete buffoons who are committing a crime against humanity. And these big corporations that have no soul, no collective intelligence. They're like just great robots that have too much power and too little intelligence. But soon we'll be losing the battle. Sorry, sorry. Moving aside for yes, the to there. come through. <laughs> oh, there, go. Oh, there we are. There we go. Thanks. Lady tries to pass you the push chair. <coughs> right, anyway. So, uh, regulation. How are we doing for time? It's like putting a table in the way of a pram. It is, it is. 33 minutes, we're running over. Nick, have we got time to quickly talk about something else? No, no. I'm done. That was all our topics. Uh, I think we're done then. So, you know, we value our listeners' opinions, so please come back to us. Indeed, and uh, don't forget to visit the site, socialmediawhitenoise.com. Visit that donate button. Your donations continue to pay for us to enjoy fantastic coffee and porridge. And hopefully, uh, you know, you've appreciated that we're moving social media white noise from the topic of just tech in social media to its influences on uh, both politics and uh, digital rights. Because uh, I think this is something that if we don't really focus on in the next two years, uh, we're going to be guilty of losing it. And, and I shall be so ashamed of that. Okay, people. Go. And it's goodbye from Dr. Pod, and we'll see you next time. And it's goodbye from Mick Butler. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Social Media White Noise, brought to you by Andy White, Aka Dr. Pod, and Nick Butler, Aka Loudmouth Man. Please visit www.socialmediawhitenoise.com where you can leave comments, listen to the show straight from the webpage, and subscribe for free. Email us at ulot at socialmediawhitenoise.com. Follow us on Twitter, Dr. Pod and Loudmouthman. We'd like to thank the coffee shops of Sussex, social media and technology, without whom this show would not be possible. See you soon. Peace.